This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining today. Uh, this is Adam Kipnis. I'm very excited about today's guest. I think you're all really going to be interested in ways to run a business and also do good for society at the same time. When you're building a business, obviously the lifeblood of that business is continuing to attract clients and grow. If you can't attract clients, it's impossible to grow your business to get your message out there and to help people. As always, I, as a thank you to all of you for subscribing and listening, please download my book at freebookfromadam.com. It is eight steps to growing your business and attracting clients without spending any money on marketing or advertising. It's a really easy read, really specific steps you can implement. For those of you looking to grow, definitely grab that book. And now we're going to jump into learning about not only attracting clients to your business, but how to do good at the same time while having fun. Today's guest is co-founder and president of Getaway to Give, Adam Capes. He's a social entrepreneur helping people create amazing vacation experiences while changing the world of fundraising. The ambici this ambitious undertaking began before Getaway to Give when Adam was president of a luxury residence fund called Equity Estates. Now Adam helps Getaway to Give meet its mission, helping charities raise significant money and lasting importance and memories made from meaningful vacation experiences. Can't wait to hear the lessons and the stories. Adam, thanks so much for joining today. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And, and, and I want to jump into the story. But first, before we jump into everything, to get in touch with Adam um, after the show or to learn more, you can go to getawaytogive.com. That's the number two, getawaytogive.com. Or send him an email, adam.capes, C-A-P-E-S, at G the number two collection.com. So definitely connect with him after if you want to learn more about how he helps his clients, how he helps change, raise more money. Adam, when, before we get to the specifics of what you do today, how did you start just on your entrepreneurial journey? Was it something that, that you were born with or, or did you learn it through growing up in schooling? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't think it was something that I naturally came by. Um, I hear stories all the time of entrepreneurs who started a lemonade stand when they were six or were selling candy out of their locker in elementary school and they just always had that business sense, and that was not me. I always thought I was going to go to law school. My father was an attorney. He's retired now. Um, he didn't encourage me to be an attorney, but I think I, you know, I was involved in the debate team in high school. I loved debating and arguing, and um, 
until I went uh, when I was in college and and interned at a law firm in New York City. Uh, it was a patent law firm, and I decided this is not what I want to be doing, uh, writing briefs all day. It wasn't um, kind of as I had seen on television, litigating exciting cases, and um, I just decided that law wasn't for me. So I fell into uh, being an entrepreneur in college when um, I had also interned at um, a pharmaceutical company, and somebody there said, you know, you should look at starting a newspaper um, at your college because my son did it and it's been great and, you know, find something that would be interesting and uh, start a newspaper. So my uh, first entrepreneurial venture was in college at Cornell University where uh, my roommate and I decided to start a newspaper for the Greek system uh, originally and then it turned out to be uh, we we changed the name from the Greek Globe to the Campus Globe, and we competed with the Cornell Daily Sun, which happens to be um, the oldest college daily newspaper in the country, uh, started by Frank Gannett of Gannett Newspapers, USA Today and others. Um, so that was kind of how I fell into it, but I had, I had always had more of a, I was very risk averse early on. I was uh, thinking I was going to go to law school, and um, I kind of fell into uh, the business world when I started this newspaper in college. Interesting. Quick aside, my brother actually went to Cornell and did go to law school. So um, he followed that path for you, and, and you, you took yours in, in, a, in another direction. So you started the newspaper. Um, did that lead to all right, I'm going to do this again when I graduate entrepreneurship, I'm going to start a business, or did you take a more traditional path immediately after school? Yeah, no, it, it, um, I did not take the traditional path. Actually, my, my roommate and business partner in college, we were looking around the country to see, actually, he was really looking around the country to see if there was some publication that he could purchase. Um, and I guess it was kind of assumed that I would go with him. But so it was really more, he was really more of the entrepreneur and I kind of followed suit. Um, and we found a publication here in Atlanta where I live and where I've been for the last 23 years. And we came down and looked at it and decided that we did not want to purchase it. It wasn't a great deal. It wasn't really something that we, we wanted to own, but, we thought, you know what, we can start a newspaper or magazine here in Atlanta, and uh, we ended up doing that in, in 1996, started a publication uh, here called Jezebel Magazine that is still around. Uh, we ended up selling it in 2003 to um, our business partners at the time who were in the radio business, and then they ended up buying Modern Luxury, so... They own similar uh, city magazines throughout the country. Um, and so I was in publishing until 2003, really in, in college and then after college uh, here in Atlanta. Wow. And publishing, so, so you learned about it, publishing the, the newspaper in school, and then, then you created the magazine. Publishing is a, a super competitive business and obviously 
in Atlanta, you probably had some benefit of a great economy post-Olympics and everything that went into that, but that led into a, a tough economy in the early 2000s with um, post 9-11 and, and, a, and a downturn. Advertising revenues probably were really difficult at, at that point. How did you get through that time to get the business to a place where you could sell it to your partners and where it still um, what was a going concern in that environment? Yeah, we were really lucky, and I think this is, this is an early lesson, uh, having some foresight. Um, we ended up in our we, – we went into partnership with um, two guys in the radio business here, and we did a three-year deal with a put option. So we could, after three years, had the right to, um, to put our shares, our 50% interest, to them at a predetermined price. So um, that was, 9-11 occurred in the middle of that. So it was very tough afterwards. People really, advertising was one of the first things to go. And this was really before there was a lot of advertising online and Google and Facebook and all of that. I mean, that didn't exist in 2001. Google, I think, did, but it was very early on. So... um, yeah, we were we were really fortunate that we could exercise the put and get out of the business, um, and uh, move on to other things. So, so you had pre-negotiated this put option, and for those of you listening um, who who don't understand what that is, and uh, I have a financial background, it's really just a, an opportunity to negotiate a sales price in advance um, that that's locked in. So that's a really smart smart business move. Um, how, did, how did you learn that? Was that something that, that you were counseled on by coaches and mentors, or um, did you have background in financial services or f- financial negotiations that led to that negotiation? You know, I, I'm trying to remember exactly how that came about. I, I, was, um, I have since been involved in uh, some finance. Uh, I ran a hedge fund that I started for a while, and um, studied investing and learned more about um, uh, puts and calls, you know, in the stock market. But I think where that came from then was probably, I think we probably had good attorneys who said, um, hey, when we do this deal, you know, unless you guys want to be partners forever, why don't we, you know, put a, because we had a, they didn't just buy half of the publication. We had kind of a three-year earnout. And they said, I think our attorney said, hey, I think we should negotiate a put option so that if you guys don't want to continue to be partners with them in three years, you can put your shares to them. And, um, and so we did that. And uh, I think, again, we we're very fortunate that we did that, especially based on the timing and, and 9-11 occurring. Yes. And some, two really good lessons there. One, I guess following Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. And, and when you have a business, knowing uh, the opportunity and, and the way that you may be able to sell it. And two, hire good attorneys. Right? So many business owners try and do it themselves and, and don't want to invest or spend money because they think of it as, a, as an expense on attorneys. Um, is that something that was, was ingrained in you in finding 
that's smart support and investing in the business in things that seemed like an expense when maybe you didn't have the money to do it because it certainly turned out as, as a really positive investment for your business. Yeah, you would think that um, with this talk of going into law and my father being an attorney, I would kind of always have surrounded myself by having a great attorney. And, uh, and I think we did in, in this case, but I can tell you even in, in the last few years, I've made that mistake again and not had a, a great attorney um, and tried to kind of save money and do it myself. Um, in our current business, Getaway to Give, we lease properties, and I uh, was my own attorney in the sense that I reviewed the leases and would kind of agree to them, and I, I entered into a lease that um, was way too one-sided and ended up getting um, sued on it and had to pay, at that point, uh, a fortune in legal fees, defending um, ourselves, and then uh, the settlement. So, um, yeah, a little bit of expense up front to avoid those issues um, can go a, a very long way in, in saving money and in, in some cases even, you know, we we're fortunate that, that it wasn't so much that it, it uh, really did the business in or, uh, but it, it did have a big impact, and um, you know we were able we were able to 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 pay the legal fees and settle it. But um, you know, in other cases, maybe I wouldn't have been so lucky. So I do think it's really important to um, to do things kind of the right way um, the first time if you can, and spend a little bit of money on um, structure and and making sure that. Uh, you're protected. Great, great piece of advice. Appreciate that. So now jumping to get away to give. So you, you had the, a luxury real estate fund, and then you transitioned to get away to give. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how did it come about? How did the idea of helping people with vacations with a charitable aspect come to be? And then what does the company do and how do you help your clients and the charities you work with? Sure. I, I think I've always been um, passionate about two things. One being travel and, uh, and the importance of taking vacations and spending time with friends and family um, outside of kind of the daily grind. And then the second being uh, philanthropy and making a difference and giving back. And I've always wanted to make a lot of money and um, give it away, but I could never really figure out, there, there has never been one single cause that I was passionate about. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, make all this money. And then when I'm 80 years old, you know, give it all away to this company or even along the way, I, I could, I could never figure that out. Um, so at, at uh, Equity Estates, um, I just didn't feel 100% fulfilled. It was the vacation piece was great, but we we basically were saving um, high net worth individuals' money on their vacations, and that wasn't as fulfilling um, 
as I thought it could have been. And I kind of, it, it, it was obvious to me by some experiences that I had that there was more that I could do uh, to combine these two passions. So we went to an event, um, a charity event, actually. This is during the Equity Estates days. Um, we were not allowed to advertise. Um, and and this, is, this is kind of an interesting business lesson because this is a, a challenge that we had. And, you know, now as I look back, I like what Steve Jobs said in his commencement speech uh, at Stanford. Uh, which is one of the best speeches I've ever seen. Um, uh, if you haven't, you or your listeners haven't seen that, I highly recommend it. But he talks about you can't um, connect the dots forward um, and know exactly the reasons for why things could happen, but you kind of can backwards and go, oh, that's why this happened. That's why I did this. So, we weren't allowed to advertise at Equity Estates because it was a Reg D securities offering and you couldn't do a general solicitation. So we were raising money in a fund of, of vacation homes. So someone had said, um, hey, you guys should, you've got some you know, management company nights that you can't use or whatever. You should go and donate those to a charity because you'll get in front of a lot of the right people and maybe you can sell some memberships. And we were selling memberships for $300,000. I mean, it was uh, very expensive um, relative to, to many things, not relative to buying a second home, but, um, you know, it's, it's a big investment still, $300,000 to own a piece of uh, all these vacation homes and be able to enjoy them. So we went to an event in New York City um, that was for um, a cancer research foundation and we donated a week in Anguilla. Uh, we, we had a, a beautiful private home that the Equity States owns, still owns it today, um, on, the, uh, on the beach, on the you know, ocean, uh, ocean views from everywhere, spectacular home. I thought that it would go for five or $10,000 um, and raise some meaningful money for the Cancer Research Foundation, and maybe we would meet some people who would invest. Um, we did not meet anyone who would invest. Uh, and, the, and it went for, uh, they paired it with some Delta first class tickets, and it went for $75,000. Wow. And the guy who bought it uh, said, yeah, I don't really need this. And he donated it back to them. And I think the next year it went for $85,000. So we raised $160,000 for it, you know, it could have been any charity. In this case, it was for cancer research. And, uh, and, and that was just with a, a vacation home that, you know, I thought was going to get five to ten. So I think that's where I really started to see the power of um, vacations and how we could use those to help charities raise money. Um, there were some other similar stories of, uh, of that occurring and what we found is whenever we would donate a trip, it would be the biggest money getter at a live auction. And so that's what we started with Getaway to Give in 2006. Um, I'm sorry, in 2012. I started Equity States in 2006. Um, and it was fully subscribed in 2012. 
And in 2012, um, we started Getaway to Give and uh, really started in 2013. And I started, we started, though, not at charity events, but selling memberships um, where the charity got half of the money. And this was a big lesson for us. And I think maybe the most important thing that I've experienced that I can share with your listeners that will hopefully um, help them is that when we set out to start Getaway to Give, we thought that we were going to raise money for charities by selling memberships. And we, we raised some, but we quickly learned that charities are not really great at sales and marketing. If anything, um, it is a, a real need within the nonprofit industry, you know, because they, for many reasons, um, they don't attract the top talent. They can't pay for it. Um, a lot of the things that Dan Pallotta shares, if uh, anyone's familiar with him, he's got a great TED Talk about charities. But um, basically the, the, um, the nonprofit world is not great at sales and marketing, and it, we were not selling. When we would send uh, $7,500 in cash to a charity that the member chose, the, the charity would say, thank you so much. When can you send me the next one? So they weren't helping us get new members. Um, and what we had to do was pivot. And we pivoted and started working directly with the charities um, to, to give them our vacation packages at no cost. Um, well, I should say at no risk. There is a reserve cost, and they sell them on consignment. And uh, they, they keep all of the money over and above the reserve price. And we've raised over $10 million for charities since. So um, the, the, the big lesson for me as an entrepreneur there was sometimes you've got to pivot and you've got to stick with that pivot and, um, and you know, make, a, make a, a major change. And I think if you look at um, the most valuable, I think it's the most valuable company in the world. It goes back and forth between Amazon and Apple. But... Um, both companies actually pivoted. Amazon certainly in a big way as they started as an online bookseller, and now they sell literally everything. And, and I buy almost everything from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And interesting because obviously a Apple is now a phone maker, and, and they have computers rather than a computer company that, that went into the phone business, and Amazon was a book company that now I can get uh, pretty much anything I need delivered to me um, within the hour should I want it. Um, and, and those were, were big changes. So when I work with clients, I, I coach um, and consult with small businesses. And I'm a believer that you don't find niches. Niches find you. And in that, you found a niche. You found something that Maybe you weren't looking for, but you found a way to do it, and it, and it created the company. So um, it's really interesting that, that you were, one, able to identify that and that pivot point and then capitalize on it. So when you transition from states where you, you and the, the company owned all the real estate to 
now working with charities and finding vacation packages, it changed the business model greatly. Um, what, what were the steps to do that? Um, yeah, we, I'll, I'll share that with you in a second about how we moved from kind of buying vacation homes to leasing them. But um, also want to mention that uh, I do not have an MBA, um, although I have read all of uh, Warren Buffett's annual reports, the Berkshire Hathaway annual reports, and I feel like I got an MBA from, uh, in business by reading um, you know, for me, he's one of the most brilliant business people and certainly investors um, uh, that, that has ever lived. So um, I do not have an MBA. And at Cornell, I took one business class. It was a marketing class. And the only thing I remember from that, so throughout my entire college life, the only thing I, I really feel like I learned about business was the following words, find a need and fill it. And uh, you talked about kind of the niche finding me. I think that's what happened is I never set out to say, we want to be the largest provider of vacation homes to the nonprofit industry. If you would have told me that 10 years ago, I probably would have laughed and said, what nonprofit industry? But um, we just kind of, you know, we, we kept our eyes open. We were open to possibilities. And when um, we saw that, oh, my God, we can raise a lot of money for charities and provide value. I think that's the other thing is um, it, it, you can get anything you want. Uh, I think Tom Hopkins said you can get anything you want in the world if you just help enough other people get what they want. And so if you can find ways to provide value for other people, for other businesses. In this case, for us, it was for, for nonprofits. If we can really help nonprofits raise money, you know, we can have a really great business. Um, and so that was the need that, that we found and, and have been filling. Um, and then to your question about buying versus leasing, um, I'm a great thief. So I like looking at what works for other businesses in my industry and outside of my industry and copying that. Um, uh, you know, I, I've got lots of ideas, but most of them are just applying something I'm seeing somewhere to, to, my, to my business. So I found um, that there was uh, – a company in our space as a destination club at, when I was at Equity Estates that had left and said instead of selling a $300,000 membership interest in a destination club, we're going to do it for 15000 And the way they were able to do that is they said, we're not going to go buy homes, which is very capital intensive, and you've got to raise a lot of money for that. We're just going to lease them. And they were already leasing, as we were, about 30% of our portfolio. So we already had experience leasing. We, we bought 70%, but we found that you can move much faster with leasing properties because you don't have to go raise the money, purchase, find the home, purchase it. It's, it's a much faster process to, to find a property to lease. So they were doing that, and we said we want to do the same thing, 
the only difference is we want to help charities and make that kind of our, our, our why or our bigger purpose, which I learned from Simon Sinek and uh, Start With Why, which had a big impact on me starting um, Getaway to Give. That's awesome. And that's, um, for those of you that haven't seen it, if you go to um, just Simon Sinek or, or Start With Why TED Talks, it's one of the most watched TED Talks in the history of the TED universe. Um, it's like 18 minutes, really fascinating. Um, and it's very cool that you're, you're able to incorporate what you learn from others, what you see other doing it, and then translating it to your business. Um, and, and you've found probably two of the greatest needs in society. One is raising money, and two is vacations. Many people, especially in America, in Europe it's a little bit different because they vacation more for you know, a month than they do for a week, which is a, more the American model. Um, but people work so they can have that week's vacation. And charities, their lifeblood is raising money. I'm the co-chairman of the Phoenix Tour to Cure, which is a bicycle ride here in Phoenix to raise money for diabetes. And we raise um, this year our goals just over eight hundred thousand dollars that that we're hoping to raise this year, and mm -hmm. so charities need not only the money but they need the ideas and influence and relationships that you can bring to the table along with the houses, and you're fulfilling people's dreams through vacations. So you're able to tie these two things together, which is really amazing. Um, how do you? How do you help people have these great vacation experiences that they plan for sometimes for years? The high net worth may do it more frequently, but the rest of us still spend a lot of money on vacations and save for years, and you would give them the opportunity to do it while doing good. How do you help those people do that? Yeah, I think there, too, we've kind of found a need. So you mentioned uh, very uh, on point that – in Europe, um, I think the average is six weeks a year that they take. And in America, most um, companies give two weeks vacation, and most Americans don't even use that. So uh, you couple that, this lack of taking time out and, and going on vacation and seeing the world and um, re-energizing, recharging your batteries, with the fact that when you – when they've done studies and interviewed people um, really in their old age or on their deathbed about what are your biggest regrets in life, that's always one of the top ones. Actually, there's two within that. One is I didn't spend enough time with my family and friends, and two is I didn't vacation enough. Um, and when I go to – when I'm at a funeral, it's, it almost every time what I hear the family members talking about um, is that time with that um, parent or sibling or whoever it may be on vacation. That's what they're remembering. So clearly vacations are really an important thing that we look forward to. We remember them. Unlike things, I think experiences like vacation experiences tend to get better over time, um, whereas things kind of aren't as exciting. You know, my car that I got three years ago was really cool then, just now it's more of just a car. So 
Um, we we uh, really try to help um, our – we have members, so we are a destination club. We still have helped people travel with us. And then um, about 80% of our business is working with charities and people who buy trips at charity events and go on them. Um, we try and have them think a little bit differently about vacations than the – uh, what the, kind of the typical American thinks about. So what we've found is that most Americans think about vacations. Uh, if they have a family, they think about a family vacation, and it's usually the whole family going somewhere over Christmas or New Year's or spring break, and that's kind of the annual vacation. And what we try and do is get people to think about uh, father-son or father-daughter or mother-son or mother-daughter trips um, just with, let's say you have a family of four, just taking one of those children on a trip and then, you know, the other one. Um, and I was fortunate enough that my dad did that with me and my two sisters growing up. And it was one of the most incredible, like I'll never forget those vacation experiences. And I don't think he will either. Um, and so I've been doing that with my two kids. Um, and it's hugely rewarding. I would even say life-changing. Um, going on those vacations uh, every year. And then uh, trips with uh, friends from high school or college, which um, I did l last year was the second year that uh, I went with a group of 11 friends from high school. Um, other couples, just, uh, you know, a spouse or partner. Um, there's all sorts of different types of vacations that uh, – I don't think most people think about or plan, so we help with that. That's so cool because I, I, I bet one of the things going through, there's two questions popping into my head that are probably popping into the head of all of the listeners. And number one is how can you help me and how can Getaway to Give help me create an amazing vacation experience? And the other question is, hey, I, I have a charity I, I'm really active in it, and how can Getaway to Give help me raise more money, which is one of my personal givebacks. So how do you help families plan these vacations, think about them, like you said, differently? And then how do people find you and um, work with your, your company for their own charities in order to raise money? Yeah, so our, um, we've got a great team of people. Um, we have guest experience managers who are kind of like concierges that plan the trips. We have destination managers in each home. And, you know, these are all private residences, two to five bedroom private residences. Um, although we have a, uh, an 18 bedroom estate outside of Florence um, in, in Tuscany, Italy, where we're doing a Royal retreat with the Royal chef who is the personal chef for Queen Elizabeth and Princess Diana, and he's preparing a royal meal. And so we, we do some experiential things that, um, you know, we're not leasing that property. We, we've got it for two weeks, um, and uh, we're going to have lots of different uh, couples that will be there experiencing uh, this together and hopefully forming relationships that, um, you know, and friendships that will last a long time. Um, but most of our, you know, that's, uh, that's on the experiential side. We've got uh, mostly two to five bedroom residences that uh, we help people plan trips for. So 
they uh, can see any of these properties on our website, getaway2give.com, or G2G Collection. So that's uh, letter G, number two, letter G, collection.com. Um, Getaway to Give is, is really for charities, but it's got all the same properties um, and packages on there. And G2G Collection is, is for individuals who are looking to uh, possibly travel with us. But both sites have um, all of our, our offerings and uh, residences and experiences. And then my email is, uh, as you said, adam.caves at g, the number two, g, collection.com. That's awesome. Thank you for, for that. And everyone, definitely go visit the website, learn more about it, whether it's the charitable aspect that, that you're focused on or whether it's the experience for yourself and your family. Uh, his business can, can do both, and he's got a team of people that are ready in there to help and, and to understand how you can, can take advantage of it for yourself or for your charities. And before we wrap up, I just wanted to – I know that being in the vacation business – You've got to have some tips or ideas of what people can do to make their vacation an unforgettable memory, bigger and better than they thought it would be. So even if it's just going to Disneyland, yes, you get to see Mickey and do all that, but how do you make a vacation unforgettable? Yeah, I, I, I've been kind of studying lasting happiness for a long time, especially because I was at Equity Estates and working only with uh, pretty high net worth individuals. And I thought, like I think many people do, and maybe our society tries to tell us that, you know, more money equals more happiness. And I've found that that simply isn't true. Um, that lasting happiness doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from uh, fame or status. And it doesn't come from looks or image. Um, but three other uh, very different things relationships, personal growth, and contribution. And I would say if you look at a vacation in, um, in, with those three things as your perspective um, of how do I deepen relationships on this vacation, how do I um, uh, grow personally, maybe I'm, that could be learning a new language or learning to cook, you know, taking a cooking class, if you're especially somewhere like Tuscany, right, or Napa, um, or learning to surf or play golf or tennis or ski, any of those things. Um, those are all examples of personal growth and then contribution. And this is something that I think is really not happening uh, because most people don't think about it and it's not intentional for them. But if we can help people um, give back on their vacation, because most people want to help, I find, and, and they want and they want to teach their children to give back, and there's incredible bonding that occurs when when that happens, and you're helping other people together as a family or as a friend group or what have you. But most people are just simply too busy in their daily lives to go out and volunteer and, and do those sorts of things, especially as a family. Um, but on vacation, you really got a lot of time. And uh, we've found that when people have gone, whether it's um, volunteering in New York City uh, and delivering meals to homebound seniors, 
or going to an orphanage in a, a country like Costa Rica um, or in Mexico um, and, uh, and helping out there. Hugely, hugely rewarding. So uh, that to me is, is the ultimate way of combining vacations and philanthropy is, uh, is looking for ways to contribute while you're on your vacation. And it may only be a couple hours out of a week. It doesn't have to be like you're spending your whole trip doing that. But um, inevitably, we've found that that's the most rewarding part of a vacation because uh, it's, it's something it's, – it's, it's different. It's unique. It's not something that most people do. And you're helping people, and that's, that feeds the soul. Fantastic. I, I, I can't thank you enough for, for the tips you gave us just on, on recognizing changes in, in your business and things that you see and being able to pivot to a, a different opportunity that may be along the same path, but finding those pivot points, learning from others, seeing what others are doing in, in their business and on their path to success and incorporating your business and uh, more specifically on the personal side, just finding ways to enjoy yourself and have an experience where you help others and not only do you have a great experience and feel good, but you help other people at the same time. Thanks for what you're doing in your business and, and thank you for your time and sharing with the listeners um, what you've done, how you got there, and how you help people today. Really appreciate it, Adam. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Definitely get in touch with Adam at adam.tapes at g2gcollection.com or go to the website getaway2give.com. Support yourself through a great vacation and support great organizations through um, charitable giving. Thanks to Adam, and thank you all for listening. I appreciate all of you for being here and being um, ongoing listeners. And thanks, Adam. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day and much success to your business. Thank you. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.